Who dat? Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Who Dat Dish podcast. We have so much to talk about today, and we thank you so much for tuning in yet again. The Saints pulled off a surprise, almost improbable win on Sunday in Seattle, and we are here to break down everything regarding that game. As always, I'm your host, Dayton Brown, and I'm joined by Tyler Raymond on the other side of the microphone. You can follow us on Twitter, myself, at Dayton underscore Brown underscore. Follow Tyler at Raymond Tyler M. Or to stay up to date with everything regarding this podcast, you can follow our account there at the WDD Podcast. Tyler, bro, you called the win last <laughs> week on the episode. I didn't. I predicted a loss. You predicted a win by seven. Saints end up winning by six. We'll get into all of that in a little bit. Good call on the win. I'm glad that we both get to be ecstatic now uh, after watching the Saints win on Sunday. We don't get to talk about a, another loss. That is the true silver lining to this all. How are you feeling after that win, man? I know neither of us got to actually watch the game live, unfortunately, but we both rewatched it uh, pretty much hours after it all went down. Got to experience the Camara magic there throughout the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how you feel? I'm on cloud nine right now, and 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 I didn't even predict a win like you did last week either. So props to you. Thanks. Uh, you, you picked uh, you picked some stuff up on your own. We can get into that later. How you were right on some of the stuff too. So right. you gotta give yourself a pat on the back there. We'll get too, to that. Though. We'll get to that. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. What's up, everybody? Of course, as you said, I'm Tyler. Um. I, yeah, I'm on cloud nine too. You know, and um, it's funny going going into that game. Uh, Seattle was fifteen and zero under uh, oh crap, what's his name? The head coach for Seattle. Oh, uh, Pete Carroll. Yeah, that's it. I almost said Pete Carmichael. What the heck? Um, hey, close. I, I knew it was Pete something. Um, but yeah, they were 15-0 at home in September going into that game. But that's not until Alvin Kamara showed up. So I'm pretty happy. Uh, it's funny. I mentioned we're on cloud nine, but we started from the bottom. And now we're here. Uh, Drake reference, you know, um, because of like, you know, the Jubilee's injury, we thought everything was going to go really sour. But it didn't. You know, uh, the real possibility of uh with the life without Drew Brees it looked really hopeless and scary but not anymore though because Teddy Bridgewater actually played pretty decent and we've got a lot to talk about and a lot of great things to talk about and even including the score and everything amazing so mm-hmm. yeah we've got a lot of talk we've got we have, a lot of awesome stuff to talk about so let's get into it it was a pretty crazy game um and even though the final yeah. score it was only a six point win by the Saints the Saints were ahead uh, by much more uh, in the it's game. Totally the fourth, yeah. And yeah, it was 20 to 7 at, a, at, at one point in the game. Um, so even though the final score indicates somewhat of a close battle, the reason it was so crazy is because the Saints almost played opposite what a lot of people like myself were expecting. We were not expecting this amount of efficiency from Teddy Bridgewater. He went 19 of 27, 177 yards for two touchdowns. Sean Payton didn't ask him to do anything spectacular. Sean Payton didn't ask him to rely on his mobility, which uh, we've seen happen with with Bridgewater before. Sean Payton told Teddy Bridgewater, this offense is going to be built around you getting the ball to our best players pretty much as quickly as possible. But with this Seattle front seven that, that, that does not get a whole lot of sacks in the NFL... Uh, so far this season, uh, even with Jadavion Clowney, uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a clean pocket for uh, a good portion um, of yeah. the night. And really the only thing that killed the Saints, so to speak, uh, uh, in this game, 
Um, I think were the penalties, but they only had 17 more penalty yards than the Seahawks. Other than that, the Saints played yeah. a fantastic game without Drew Brees. Alvin Kamara, of course, was the big star. 16 carries for 69 yards and one touchdown. Uh, led the team uh, in, in carries, rushing yards, um, and obviously rushing touchdowns. He also led the team in receptions and receiving yards. Nine receptions, 92 yards, also had a touchdown. Uh, Michael yeah, great Thomas, game. He had, he had a fantastic game. Michael Thomas, five catches, 54 yards for touchdown, second in receiving. Um, so, obviously, this was a big one for the Saints with backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. But it's even bigger because now the Saints have a little bit, little bit of momentum coming back home from a West Coast trip. And now they have to face the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night football. So, the fact that they were able to win in this fashion, be efficient, yeah. be smart. Um, not give up too many big plays to, to to a team who essentially gets some of the biggest plays with the duo from Wilson and Lockett. And because Will Disley is rising, DK Metcalf, of course, the rookie sensation, the Saints defense was able to stay disciplined. And uh, we'll, we'll break all the specifics down. But after watching that game, Tyler, um, mm-hmm. if, if you essentially if you had to grade the Saints on a scale of 1 to 10, how they play in this game without Bridgewater, how would you grade them? I'll give them straight up 10 uh, because I think that they played a uh, great uh, and also, what was your personal favorite moment from from watching yeah. this game? We'll, we'll we'll break down pretty much all the drives and and stats and whatnot. But after watching this game overview of it, how would you grade rate the Saints how they played and, and what was your favorite moment? How they played, like I think first half was nearly perfect. Right, like getting late into the fourth quarter, it just sucked because we let the Seahawks get a couple touchdowns so quick, and it seemed like. Not only do you have, like, literally a magician and Russell Wilson that can escape the pocket, run around, do circles on Saints defenders, but you had you had Seahawks uh, offensive players that were getting wide open, wide open, chunk yards here, chunk yards there. Uh, when we break down into the drives there, we'll even mention how uh, at halftime, Russell Wilson, just before the clock ran out, threw a huge downfield. If there was any more time left, they would have definitely set themselves up for points there. But um, all around, though, the Saints played really, really good. They they got help from everywhere. You know, people for the most part stepped up. We had a punt return touchdown. That was one of my favorite moments. My other favorite moment definitely was actually... The uh, forced fumble recovery for a touchdown that didn't get called back this week, unlike uh, in a previous uh, mm. game that we've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all around, it, it, like it all t- came together to make a really good game for the Saints. If I had to like rank them, like you know, one to ten, grade them on a scale, I feel like a solid eight, like an eight and change, because like they played really, really, really good. It just sucked that if there were, my dad said it perfectly when him and I were talking about it after the um after the game was over after we both got a chance to watch it together if the Seahawks had more time and at the rate the Saints were giving up big plays at the end of the game they would have came back and scored a lot more points so it was really good for most of the game but just near the end it kind of faltered a bit. Yeah, but I, I also I agree. I also do think part of that reason was the Saints were playing it extremely safe towards the end of the game, just yeah. wanting to get the time ran out and over with. Uh, but yeah, no, totally agree. The Seahawks were playing really aggressive and scrappy towards the end and, and almost pulled off a, a crazy comeback. But uh, they, they got a touchdown in garbage time, literally as time expired. Two touchdowns, basically. Well, yeah. I guess, but literal garbage time was that final touchdown when time expired. So you take that yeah. one off the board. Like, let's say that pass is incomplete towards the end of the game. Uh, it's 33 to 20 and, or 21. We're not even really talking about it, it, it being even that close at all. 
Um, so, but I, I, I agree. Letting them get those two touchdowns towards the end of the game did not make us feel very safe. Um, but luckily the Saints were able to do more than enough throughout the rest of the game yeah. pull off this win. So let's go drive by drive. Break what was down. your favorite moment real quick? Oh, um, yeah. So punt return, uh, was definitely one of mine, but I actually, my favorite moment was final, pretty much final play of the second half, uh, besides, uh, the Seahawks long bomb to Metcalf uh was Camara's touchdown his cat daddy sidewalk or uh, a sideline walk uh yeah that screen was, right yeah yeah off of the screen full the defense it's pretty much like a, a delayed screen there to Camara catches it follows his blocks breaks a couple tackles spins on the sideline and takes it in for six and he he, he essentially just like waltzes into the end zone and, and puts the, just the very smooth celebration after walking into the the end zone was you was really quick about that too really yeah. funny if you watch the play, too, Larry Warford completely whiffs his block. He's mm. in front of Camaro, completely whiffs his block, and Camaro yeah. still gets in. Yeah, that was all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was wondering what had happened there. Yeah, he, like, sure he went Warford to tackle, just, just got... completely missed the guy. It was funny. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Uh, Warford's allowed to have a little bit of those mistakes every now and then, though. He's a, he's a great... You don't, you don't see that too often from him, but yeah, credit to Camaro for that. Um, but yeah, we'll start with the drive-by-drive. We'll go first half, talk about... What went down in the first half, and then we'll go into the second half. So, game starts out. Seahawks start with the ball, and the Saints' defense forces a third and three. On that play, it's a swing pass to Carson, Chris Carson, their running back, and it's a loss of five, which forces Seattle to punt. Already off to a pretty good start for the Saints. So, instead of us getting to see Teddy B for the first time, Deontay Harris, the rookie, we've talked about him, out of Assumption College. He's getting a lot of hype now. Super fast. Uh, Deontay Harris has a house call on the punt return and puts the Saints up 7-0. to zero. It's a 53-yard punt return touchdown. First of his career. First the Saints have had in the past two seasons. I know they didn't have any in 2018. I can't remember any in 2017. But going off of that, the Deontay Harris touchdown, that already fulfills one of my X factors, which honestly I, I didn't truly think was going to happen. I did not think Deontay Harris was really going to get a return touchdown in this game because they're just rare now in the NFL. But set up Seattle back in their own territory. The punt was caught really right near midfield. Deontay Harris uh, jukes a little bit and then finds a seam and just flies to the end zone. And that was fantastic. Yeah. And that was one of my X factors to get a special teams touchdown. So props to him. Um, Seahawks obviously get the ball back. It's third nine. And Russell Wilson completes a really nice comeback pass to Moore over Lattimore near the sideline. Uh, and that sets the Seahawks up in Saints territory. Uh, but the Saints force another long third down. This time it's 14 yards out, and they're able to stop Wilson uh, scramble at the 40-yard line, which forces another Seahawks punt. Uh, unfortunately, the Saints get the ball at their own 10, and then on third and 13, Teddy avoids a safety by escaping a sack, and he jukes his way down the field, but he's just a few yards short of the first down. So the Saints got a punt again, um, and on the next drive, it's third and five. Wilson rolls out of the pocket and creates enough time for Tyler Lockett to get free from Eli Apple as the team completes a 30-yard pass. Uh, next play, Chris Carson bursts through a hole and picks up another first down as the Seahawks are on the Saints' 11-yard line. Uh, on second and seven at the eight, Wilson rolls out of the pocket again and finds Lockett in the back of the end zone with only A.J. Klein nearby. The game is now tied at seven. Um, next drive, Saints have the ball. Kamara finally gets going with a swing pass on first down. Uh, the first quarter concludes, and the Saints are facing a third and 21. Bridgewater nearly throws an interception. The Saints are forced to punt again, but luckily, Morstead's punt bounces out of bounds at the Seahawks' two-yard line, which, by the way, 
Thomas Morse said won NFC Special Teams Player yeah, of the Week. Yeah, he had a great game. He did. I was expecting Harris to win it, but I guess it makes sense yeah, that Morse did. He got drug checked, too, by the way. Uh, Morse said, I did see that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He uh, held up the picture and tweeted about it. Um, so, CX then start their drive, and Wilson finds Lockett on either sideline. These are pretty much uh, not back-to-back plays, but back-to-back uh, notable plays. Um, on second and eight, which got them a first down, and then third and four, he finds them on the other sideline, and then they come up just short, and they are forced to punt again. Uh, with over 10 minutes left in the half, New Orleans gets another first down with Kamara on a pass, but are unable to move the chains on third and three near midfield. On the first play, we see Taysom Hill take a quarterback snap in the game. Um, on second and six from their own 10, the Seahawks give the ball to Chris Carson, who picks up a really nice 20-yard game before going down. But this is the fumble Tyler mentioned. Eli Apple was able to force a fumble just before Carson's knee goes down. Von Bell smartly picks it up and takes the ball in for a 30-yard scoop and score. Uh, All other players and officials were really confused at first, but replay proved that the fumble was legit. Uh, Lutz missed the extra point. I'm pretty sure it's his first extra point ever, and the Saints are only up 13-7 now. But that is first two touchdowns of the game. Uh, punt return, Crazy. special teams, and then a defensive scoop and score. Uh, again, what should have happened last week with Cam Jordan, but was unfortunately called an incomplete pass this time. Or, sorry, overturned to a fumble, but you, you can't advance a, a reviewed fumble. Uh, but this time, the refs don't call it dead. Luckily, even though I don't think they knew there was a fumble, uh, but smartly, the refs swallow their whistles at that point. And, yeah, and thank God. Scoop it up. Yeah, thank God. Oh, my God. Could you imagine two two games in a row? Oh, who else but the Saints, right? Who else but the Saints? That's true, man. Who else Who else but us? Um, so, CX get the ball back. There's a little over five minutes left before halftime. They're facing a third and 11 yet again. Uh, Wilson picks up a nice first down on a run up the middle of the field, which was left wide open. Uh, the Seahawks are approaching Saints territory, and then two plays later, Wilson scrambles again for a nine-yard gain. But two run steps in a row for the Saints on both third and fourth and one give them the ball at midfield with two and a half minutes to go. Um, this is, this is a really important swing. And by the way, that fourth and one stuff, uh, that gives us one of the best celebrations we've ever seen. Thanks to the Dennis Allen on the sideline. He was hyped. Oh yeah, he was man. Pumped. That uh, was all over Twitter. Yeah. T- yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, uh, waving his arms in the air, screaming. You don't really see that happen from Dennis Allen. And it was, it was a good moment. So Saints get the ball. There's two and a half minutes left. They're pretty much in or at midfield approaching Seahawks territory. Michael Thomas gets a catch on a slant to put the Saints at uh, Seahawks 40. And a few plays later, the Saints fool the Seahawks front line uh, with a... Um, well, oh, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say with a jailbreak screen. Um, I, I couldn't read what I wrote for a second. But this is the play that I was mentioning that was my favorite moment. This is a delayed jailbreak screen, which essentially means uh, the Saints are blocking regularly like it's a pass. Um, and then the three uh, offensive linemen on the right side, including center Eric McCoy, um, let the defenders go past them towards Bridgewater as he flips the ball to Kamara. Kamara catches it. He has to wait a split second because our offensive linemen are so athletic and fast. He only has to wait a split second to get going, and then they are his lead blockers. Now, Tyler mentioned Warford whiffed on a block. Luckily, Kamara was still able to shake up the sideline for a really impressive 30-yard touchdown. So the Saints are now up 20-7 to going into halftime. Um... And, 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 and right before halftime, the Seahawks actually run out of time, like Tyler mentioned. Uh, Wilson throws a uh, – it was almost a 60-yard bomb to DK Metcalf right over Marcus Williams and Marshawn Lattimore. Um, and they were pretty much down inside of uh, the Saints' 15-yard line. But right as zero 
hit that. They had a timeout left in their pocket, too. If there had been one second left, they could have called a timeout and set up a field goal to make it only a 10-point game going into halftime. And, of course, that three-point swing could have meant even more down the line now that we know kind of how the game turned out. It could have been some sort of momentum for Seattle. So halftime, the Saints are up 20-7. to It's looking pretty dang good. Um, my thoughts going into halftime were, after rewatching this game, was, Holy cow, we are here to play. Not only are, are we here to play, them. yeah, we are, we, we are controlling almost every aspect of this, especially down there in the trenches. Even though Wilson is still able to scramble and we're not getting too much pressure on him, uh, the Saints are still being able to force him into uh, a couple of decisions he doesn't like to make um, uh, because some of the coverage down the field is so good at times but also can get – uh, break open. That's why the Seahawks were able to get such big plays. If you take away some of the broken coverages, Seahawks probably don't even have a score, right? And at halftime, it could be twenty to zero at halftime with the Saints if they yeah. don't give up a couple of uh, bigger plays. Obviously, easier said than done. The Seahawks are able to pull off miraculous plays all the time. Yeah, they've got good receivers too. So. But I mean, you're on the same boat as me as saying, yeah, th- th- that team was dominating in-, in-, in the first half. Oh, for sure against this team. Um, so first half thoughts are very, very positive. Um, and just surprising too. Uh, even though a lot of people had called for the saints to win, uh, not only here on the podcast with you, Tyler, but also on Twitter. Um, I still think most people were shocked to see how well the saints were playing, right? Teddy Bridgewater was being efficient. He didn't have, uh, any turnovers. Uh, the saints were able to force a turnover in the first half, something that doesn't happen too often with this team. Um, and, and, I also had predicted them to get two turnovers uh, in the game. Unfortunately, I, I believe that fumble was the only one that they, they got the, the whole game um, because I don't think Chris Carson fumbled it again, did he? No. I, 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 I think he, he only had the one fumble in the game. So I yeah. I said get two turnovers, but the one tururnover proved to be enough, and the, and the special team's touchdown was nice. Um, so that's the whole first half. Saints are up. 13 when they're four-point underdogs in Seattle uh, on a second game of a West Coast trip. Um, so starting the second half with the ball, the first play is a run by Kamara, who breaks some tackles to gain 15 yards. The next play is a soft completion to Michael Thomas again, picking up another first down into Seattle's side of the field. Facing a third and 13, Bridgewater is able to dump it off to Kamara to pick up about nine yards, setting up a much easier field goal for Lutz, which he misses really badly, but... Thanks to an illegal formation penalty from Seattle, it gives the Saints an automatic first down. A little bit later on third and three from the 24, uh, Bridgewater finds Thomas yet again, and this time on the sidelines as MT spins his way to the 10-yard line. The Saints get down to the goal line and try to sneak Teddy in over the top, but the Seahawks D stuffs the attempt. So it's fourth and goal. Saints could take the points here, go up by over two touchdowns. However, they go for it. Uh, and it's a beautifully called wide receiver screen to Michael Thomas right behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And essentially, he just kind of falls into the end zone. Exactly. Really nice, getting yeah. some blocks. But that's what that, that was really nice play calling because when you have mismatch on that side of the field, you know, you can kick out some offensive linemen as soon as you snap the ball to get some blocks. And then, of course, the two receivers uh, in front of Michael Thomas after he motions over, getting the ball to him, and then just essentially falling into the end zone. I thought that that was a great, great play call. Yeah. Saints are up 27-7. to uh, up by uh, 20 points, uh, essentially a three-possession game at this point. Uh, Seahawks can't go anywhere on their next drive, but unfortunately, uh, Harris muffs a punt, and that sets Seattle up at the Saints' 44-yard line with five minutes to go in the third quarter. Wilson rolls out to his right on the next play and throws across his body to the wide-open tight end Will Disley for a gain of 24. On third and six, the Saints read a shotgun run to Carson to force a fourth and five. 
Um, so Seahawks decide to go for it also on fourth and five here. Wilson attempts a pass in the end zone to a wide open Tyler Lockett after he beats P.J. Williams pretty badly. But thanks to some pressure uh, by the Saints, the pass is overthrown and Seattle turns the ball over on downs. Uh, so the Saints get the ball. It's first 17. Kamara somehow finds his way out of a pack of Seahawks after a swing pass, uh, again behind the line of scrimmage, and finds another first down. Then on third and three from their own 32, uh, the Saints drive and the third quarter end on a dropped pass by Jared Cook. He did not impress uh, really at all. He only had one yeah. one reception all of. He's been poo-poo the last few weeks. He has been, yeah, very... Um, Interesting, but it, it could take time for him to get into his own. I, that, that's at least what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks have the ball inside there on 25, and Wilson finds Disley again for another first down. The next play, Lockett gains a really nice chunk of yards for Seattle on a wide-open catch. Uh, working into Saints territory, Seahawks face a third and three yet again, but are able to convert as Wilson's pass, or they're unable to convert as Wilson's pass is tipped. So they go for it on fourth down again. And this time, Wilson finds a wide-open uh, Rashad Penny down the sideline to put them inside their own 15-yard line. Another completion of Lockett gets them a first down at the three, and Wilson scores on a read option two plays later. I was really hoping Lattimore would have gotten that tackle there. He was he, he 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 had really good form, and he had really good leverage, especially there for a quarterback kind of chasing the cor- uh, cornerback, chasing the quarterback. Uh, but unfortunately, Wilson was able to kind of outmuscle him a little bit and find the end zone. So the Saints are still up 27-14. Um, but their next drive is a three now, and it's almost an interception on third down as Teddy was looking for MT. So this uh, Seahawks hit the ball right back. From their own 19, Wilson spins out of DeMario Davis' sack to get a nice completion, but it leads to a third and two shortly after. On that play, C.J. Prozeith is stuffed, and it's now fourth and one. Seattle goes for it again, but this time Wilson overthrows his receiver, and it's another turnover on downs. Uh, Saints get the ball back. Taysom Hill gets a catch and a first down. Kamara picks up some nice yards two plays in a row and scores on a first and goal rush. Uh, the two-point conversion is a fail. Saints were trying to go up by exactly three touchdowns, but at this point they're up 33-14, to 14, which proves to be enough um, as even though Wilson uh, is able to have a rushing touchdown on the next drive and then gets um, some magic to get Will Disley as time expires, um, that all happened within a span of four or five minutes in the game. The Saints were already up by three touchdowns. And essentially, yeah, the last touchdown was to Disley as time expired. So the Saints walk away victors 33-27. Besides the stats I've already mentioned, the only other rusher in this game that got more than two carries was Teddy Bridgewater himself. Three carries and 12 yards. Kamara controlled the show other than that. Um, Like I mentioned, Michael Thomas was the second-leading receiver. Ted Ginn Jr. was the only other one who had two or more catches. Two catches, 15 yards. Jared Cook had one. Taysom Hill had one. Josh Hill had one. All for seven yards or less. So it was the Kamara... MT and Teddy Bridgewater show, which we mentioned last week, that's going to have to be the case. We're going to need our best players to step up to help out uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Marshawn Lattimore yeah. led the team in tackles. He was all over the place. He had 10 total tackles. The C- the Saints, zero sacks on the day. Saints Saints defense did not have a sack. However, Saints offense yeah. also did not sacrifice a sack. So it was a sackless yeah. game, if you will, uh, there up in Seattle. No sacks, uh, just... I'm not even going to say it. I'm not even going to say a joke. Too inappropriate. Demario Davis was second on the team with tackles with seven. Uh, Vaughn Bell and AJ Klein each had five apiece. Bell had the return touchdown as well. Marcus Williams had four. Eli Apple had three uh, tackles, including the forced fumble. Uh, no interceptions as well on the day, but no interceptions on the Seahawks side either. So even though the Saints defense was able to get a touchdown for the most point or for the most part, 
Um, it was not a turnover-heavy game. It was uh, pretty efficient by both teams. It was just about converting on third downs, and that's really what it came down to uh, was converting on on third down there for uh, each team. So, um, Tyler, man, after yep. going over all this drive, after watching the game, um, and, and after everything we've already talked about, um, your X factor was somewhat the defensive line creating some pressure uh the the three x factors we've already talked for for me we've already talked about the special team touchdown the two turnovers which didn't come to fruition i also mentioned demario davis and pass coverage i'm waiting to hear back for his uh, pff grade guys also follow at pff underscore saints on twitter they provide great information for pro football focus analysis on everything saints players team offense defense whatever you need you can tweet them they respond a lot they respond to tyler and i mainly tyler tyler asks them um, and I just asked them if about Demario Davis coverage stats. Uh, they haven't gotten back to me, but as soon as they do, I'll let you guys know. Uh, but your X factor, Tyler, was pressure uh, for yeah. the Saints. And even though they didn't get any sex, they were still able to pressure Russell, Russell Wilson. They didn't break containment very often, too. Even though Wilson was able to roll out, uh, he wasn't able to freely roll out the entire game. It was only uh, you know uh, every other uh, big play. So um, what did you think about the, the Saints front seven specific because we know secondary was iffy and they did get the turnover and the fumble return so that kind of makes up for it linebackers played pretty pretty good but what about that front seven there shy tuttle was yeah. one of the one i think now one of the highest graded rookie defenders uh from last week at least uh he was filling in there on the front line but what would you think they weren't able to get any sex but were you were you satisfied with with the pressure they got Dude, they got so much pressure. It was actually insane. Yeah. And you mentioned PFF Saints. Uh, most of the tweets I'll, I'll be releasing in a minute are from that Twitter account. So, like we said, go check that out. So, yeah, I'll just... Overall, sure, they didn't get any sacks, but it's Russell Wilson. Like I said earlier, he's literally a magician with, like, roadrunner legs. Like, it's really hard to sack him, especially when he's doing, like, circles running back and forth, throwing on the throwing on the move. It's really hard to sack him. But they got a ton of pressure, and a lot of players on the defensive line uh, stepped up, and that's what I really like to see. So I'll just read off some stuff, stuff from there, and then a little bit I've got the snap counts too. So uh, you mentioned Shai Tuttle. Yeah, he snuck, uh, he snuck his way onto the PFF's top-graded rookies through the Week 3 list. He had a, a 73.9 overall grade on 75 snaps so far this season. Of course, the week three showing against Yale obviously helped. Some other stats, let's see here. We had, uh, speaking of rookies, Eric McCoy was the highest-graded rookie offensive lineman with qualifying snaps through week three, so that's really good. I, I really like how he's doing so far. And I, I saw on Twitter, uh, during this past season, a lot of people were really conflicted about oh, how is someone going to be able to replace Max Unger? And, oh, man, like, no one's going to be able to do that good so quick for a rookie. Well, uh, eat your words, man. Like, uh, not you, Dan, but you know what I mean. Um, right. Uh, if you're a hater on the center position, eat your words. Eric McCoy is doing very good. So um, some other stuff. Let's see here. Yeah, I mentioned Cameron Jordan. Uh, let's talk about how good of a day he had. He recorded a new career high, 11 total pressures in week three against Seattle. I think in total, I read somewhere, I think they had like 16 or 17 total pressures for the day, which is insane. So, but um, 
yeah, Seattle's offensive line isn't exactly, like, amazing, so it doesn't surprise me. But about Cameron Jordan, they all came in the form of quarterback uh, hurries, and it's been more than three full seasons since a single player has recorded 11-plus hurries in a single regular season game. And they also wrote to clear up any possible confusion. This stat applies to the entire NFL, not just Saints players. And and uh, some other stats, uh, someone asked, was it possible to get the overall grade versus uh, for the offense and the defense versus, versus Seattle? The offense had a 61.9 grade, considering, you know, like 30 outs, the drops, all the stuff. Uh, it was actually the second highest grade so far this season. The defense had a 69.7 uh, grade, which was the highest grade of the season. And special teams, uh, the best one yet, 80.7, highest grade for this season, considering how uh, great of a game Thomas Morrison had, Deontay Harris, the blocking, that was all awesome. And let's talk about a little bit more here. Uh, Alvin Kamara, we talked about how great of a game he had. Uh, he had 12 forced uh, missed tackles against the Seahawks, and that led the NFL in Week 3, and that's a new career high for him. And it's also the most missed tackles for us in a single week since C- uh, Week 5 of last season. Man. Wow. And th- Yeah, dude, like, he was insane. Out of those 25 touches, man, he was making people miss. We mm-hmm. should be calling him a magician, too, because he's he's really good. And let's see, he also ranked second in the NFL missed tackles forced with a total of 22. And he's averaging a missed tackle on every third carry, the highest rate in the league among qualifying running backs. And then some other stuff about special teams. Uh, uh, we talked about a long time ago how it was surprising JT uh, Gray uh, made the squad. Well, uh, he actually had a few special teams tackles, and that actually led to a 90.7 special teams grade for him. In week three, but let's see, not taking into the account the money in football game, but JT Gray and Patrick Robinson, uh, the veteran that we brought back, they ranked third uh, and seventh, respectively, across the entire league in special teams grading this week. So they had really good and some other stuff. We always like to talk about, you know, the, uh, the secondary and how they perform week to week. Uh, Eli Apple actually had a pretty good game. Uh, he, he had an 80.3 overall grade. With a 92.3 run defense grade and a 73.5 coverage grade. And PFF records him uh, giving up four targets with one catch, 32 yards, and a 60.4 passer rating. Lattimore, on the other hand, had a 66.4 overall grade, a 50.5 in the run, 67 in coverage, 13 targets, 10 catches, 152 yards. But he also had one pass uh, breakup and 114 Point nine passer rating. Man, that's a lot of stats. Um, and to elaborate, um, Lattimore's numbers. He was docked for his three deep completions downfield. However, he also had nine targets in his covers that, that were under ten yards in length. So those went for seven catches and forty-four yards, and that helped his grade get back up. So let's see. And just some mainly their top graded uh, players for defense. They had Marcus Williams for week three. And for offense, it was Alvin Kamara. So that's all the PFF grades, or the PFF, uh, too many Fs there, PFF, uh, most important, uh, noteworthy information we want to present to you guys. So let's quickly pull up the snap counts real quick. Yes. So a lot of people, 
Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Real quick before we get to snap counts, that is super impressive stuff. Uh, obviously, yeah. to hear from the special teams grades from Gray Robinson. Uh, obviously, the super high grade for Kamara. I did not know he broke that many tackles just this one week. That beast. is crazy stuff. He had himself a game. He had an outing. He showed that he has the best balance and agility of any current healthy running back right now in the NFL. He proved that on Sunday. So props to him. Shout out to him. And shout out to all those guys. Uh, who graded really high for the team? Those were the those were true keys yeah. to the game. So, yeah, uh, nicely said. I absolutely agree. And uh, in regards to playtime percentage, uh, just a couple things to go over on offense. There's a total of 58 snaps. Eric McCoy, Ryan Ramchek, Andrews Pete, Larry Warford, Tron Armstead uh, all played 100% with 58. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater played 57, which is 98%. Michael Thomas played 51. Um, Kamara, 51. Jerry Cook, well, he played a lot of snaps. 44, despite his uh, limited production, uh, is a better way of me saying it, uh, for him being absolutely poo-poo. Mm. Um, uh, let's see, you had Ted Ginn playing 39. Josh Hill, a backup team with 34. Austin Carr with 27. Will Clapp with 12. Latavius Murray with 12. He wasn't really utilized that much in this game. You had Zach Klein, the fullback, with 11. Will Jordan Humphrey, the wide receiver that was brought up uh, in lieu of all the receiver injuries, had six. And Taysom Hill, because he was mainly playing the role of a backup quarterback this game, you know, of course, with Drew Brees being out. And we had four uh, snaps offensively. Let's see. On defense, uh, they played a lot of snaps, 84. And you had A.J. Klein, Von Bell, uh, Marcus Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, all playing 100%. You had Demario Davis uh, at 99%, Eli Apple 99%, Cameron Jordan at 82, playing 98%. Let's see, some other main ones. Uh, let's see, Chateau's been having some good games. He only played 20% with 17 snaps this week. Trey Hendrickson, the guy that's been stepping up, has 52. Uh, mm, uh, nothing that out of the ordinary. And then for special teams, let's see. You had Craig Robertson, uh, JT Gray. They both played a large majority of 79% of the special team snaps. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, uh, the backup corner, he played 55%. And let's see, I'm trying to see if Taysom Hill played any special teams. Let's see. He played seven snaps. So, wow, his his mm. role was really limited Who was uh, this that? week considering. What would you say? Who was that? Taysom Hill. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I figured yeah, Considering out. he was a backup, they don't need him to get hurt right. and then really screw things up. But who knows? Maybe we'll see more of them next week in, uh, uh, when we're home for Dallas. So, but yeah, those are the uh, PFF grades and special teams, offense and defense snaps. So, yeah. Yeah. At least we have consistent starters. Rankins will be coming back soon, taking some of those snaps away from, from Tuttle and those yeah. guys and whatnot. People so. are thinking, too. He has a possibility of coming back maybe this week. Yeah, uh, and it's I, gonna be soon. Again, I no, I, I. Here's the thing: Sean Payton will not let him play unless he has at least a full week of practice under yeah. his belt. There is no way in hell anybody saying that Rankins. I mean, uh, uh, unless he's miraculously fully recovered and just did not lose a step, which I highly doubt, he's not gonna be coming back and playing this week. Week five, yeah, I could, I, I, I could, I, I could see that. My guess is still on the week six, because, yeah. 
it's it's not. I don't think it's any later than week six, or else they would have kept him on IR or or on the on the putt. So so that he was just inactive for the first six games, they could fill his roster spot. I think he's going to be coming back five or six four or uh, four is way too soon. Um, anybody saying that he is going to come back, I don't know who they know or, or or what they know, but most likely they are false on that. So I won't expect Rankins to come back this week, especially since it's already Thursday. So, but yeah. With that being said. Um, I think we've kind of already talked about the players um, who had a strong showing. It was the three main guys on offense, right? Teddy Bridgewater, of course, Alvin Kamara, and Michael Thomas there. And then on defense, it was Eli Apple playing uh, very well, including having a, a high grade and forcing that fumble. Von Bell getting the pickup. Marshawn Lanmore, a little shaky, but I mean, when you're number one lockdown corner, you're going to get thrown at on some games and. He's just been a little little shaky this year, but I, I, I still have confidence in him as our number one corner for sure. Um, anybody else you want to give some props, some love to? That offensive yeah. line, of course, was good, not giving up any sacks. Um, and then anybody on your radar who needs to improve for us to um, move the needle more towards beating Dallas? Yeah. Um, so on, uh, just people I think had a strong showing, I think did really well. Thomas Moore said, yes. you played so great, uh, they drug tested you. So yeah. keep playing at that level. And please don't use drugs. Not that he does. So thank you. Um, I mentioned the love for Eric McCoy. Dude's doing great so far, and that's a that's a great that's great progress considering he's a rookie. This is his first time playing official like top tier NFL football. So props to him. Cameron Jordan, man, on Twitter he was really noble about it too. I think he actually re- quoted one of the PFFs. Um, uh, tweets about him, because I think they tagged him and how he had, like, so many pressures. He wrote, didn't get any sacks, so it doesn't matter. But still, props to him. He did really good. Uh, Demario Davis, um, I think, remember that fourth down stop, that fourth and one where uh, Dennis Allen went crazy? I think it was Demario Davis who ended up getting that tackle, or helped with that. Um, I think. Which play? The fourth and one, I think it was, you know, the one where mm-hmm. we just absolutely stuffed when the line. When it's not ProSythe, right. Yeah, I think DeMario Davis was in on that. So yeah. props to him. He's been playing really well. Uh, arguably one of the best free agent acquisitions we've had in a long time. So props to him. Teddy Bridgewater, a solid game. Um, I, I almost wanted to get more into how, he again, he played kind of cautious, you know, uh, the, the quick checkdowns, you know, the short plays. But, I mean, when you, when you're not trying to really throw the ball downfield, there's only so much you can do. So he did well uh, in what he was asked to do. So props to him, and just the game changes for me. I love the Von Bell fumble return touchdown. Deontay Harris, despite him uh, muffing a punt, he still did good. And people who need to improve, one person, Jared Cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the day, man. I'm waiting for the day when he gets a touchdown and or over 40 yards in a game. That'll be something. Right. He at least just needs to be a security blanket there for, yeah, for Bridgewater. Yeah, he stopped dropping the pass. And he's, like, not, I know, on, and he's not. I mean, but I got confidence. It's, it's, it's hard for tight ends to adapt to new systems. So I, I have confidence that he'll get better throughout the year. Um, and we'll see if that comes to fruition. I agree with everything you said. I think special teams was a big emphasis this week with Morstead and Harris, and then, of course, the JT Gray and Robinson having such high grades. Um, Obviously, on that Harris block, I wish I would have looked it up before the show, but I just now remembered it. Um, 
two of the Saints uh, uh, defenders there blocked the gunner throughout the yeah, entire yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, that was so freaking I want to say, I, I know one of the guys is Justin Hardy. I do not know who the other guy is. It might have even been Robinson, but they literally blocked that guy. The entire way. The entire yeah, way. Like, they, like they, he, the dude did not move from the line of scrimmage, essentially. It was it was pretty freaking awesome. But I agree with you. I think Jared Cook needs to step up uh, for sure. Yeah. And secondary play for me, too, in general. Yeah, Like, yeah. I think, it, like, they kind of get a break considering it's Russell Wilson. And I think kind of the argument can be made that next week Dak Prescott is similar to Russell Wilson in a sense that sure. he can beat you if he has to with his legs. And I guess he's kind of been accurate enough now where he can find open receivers. So I think, like, I, I, I'm really curious to see when we preview the episode tomorrow uh what happens of uh, this sunday with all of that i'm really curious to see like how much of an impact our d-line can have on that and how that affects our secondary too yeah but it's gonna be really interesting though absolutely yeah secondary is gonna be a big question mark if Lattimore is not uh gonna be playing as essentially yeah. near perfect as he was the first two seasons of his career but i still have confidence in him uh, so with all that being said, that's pretty much all the Saints talk we have for the episode. I want to go over some NFL scores real quick, including the rest of the South. Thursday Let's night, do it. Thursday night, the Jaguars won twenty to seven over the Titans. Cowboys handled the Dolphins thirty-one to six, and we'll of course have a preview episode for the Cowboys Saints game out tomorrow to you guys, where we'll talk a little bit about the Cowboys' performance against the Dolphins. Uh, Bills beat the Bengals in Buffalo twenty-one to seventeen. Lions beat the Eagles in Philly twenty-seven to twenty-four. Jets beat the, or sorry, Patriots beat the Jets 30-14. to uh, Vikings beat the Raiders 34-14. to Chiefs and Ravens had a classic game. Chiefs pulling away 33-28. to Packers beat the Broncos 27-16. to Panthers won on the road and beat the Cardinals 38-20. to um, And then you have the Texans beating the Chargers by 7. Niners beating the Steelers with a comeback victory. Great game. Uh, and then the Rams beat the Browns. 20 to 13 on Sunday night football. Monday night was a, essentially a massacre. It was 31 to 15. Bears beat the Redskins in DC. Now for the NFC South spe- uh, specifically, uh, the Falcons opened up the week with a big fat loss. Not not really that big of a loss, but 27 to 24 to the Colts. That's also a good game. Um, if you guys want to watch the highlights over on YouTube, uh, that one and the um, Niners Steelers game were the most entertaining games in my opinion, besides the Saints, of course. Um, so the Falcons are now one and two, um, and then the Giants beat the Buccaneers thirty-two to thirty-one, putting the Buccaneers at uh, Daniel Jones one and two as well. Daniel Jones the comeback one. Now Buccaneers could have won, and nobody would be talking about Daniel Jones winning if their kicker would have make made that. I think it was like a thirty-yard field goal towards the end of the game, um, or it was like thirty. Yeah, I think it was a thirty-four-yard field goal that he missed. Um, great game. That that was classic. Daniel Jones with the comeback victory. And then the Panthers beat the Cardinals for their first one of the year behind Kyle Allen with Cam Newton being out. They won 38-20. to So Saints are the only team in the division sitting at – or no. Yeah, yeah. Saints are the only team in the division sitting at 2-1 right now. All other teams are 1-2. I almost – for some reason I thought the Bucks were, were 2-1, but they, they nah, lost they're not one that against good. the Niners. Exactly, yeah. So NFC South – Already looking really, really, really good for the Saints. They're number one, um, and they were number one uh, after week one as well. So this is the second out of three weeks that they're sitting atop with sole possession of first place of the uh, NFC South division. So um, pretty pumped. Any teams you're really worried about right now in the NFC South based off of their performances right now, Tyler? I mean, you have the Bucks. The Bucks are the Bucks. The Bucks could be 2-1 and one at this point if they make a field goal or an extra point. 
right? Their, their, their guy missed an extra point and got an extra point blocked. They make both of those and the field goal. They win by four points, let alone, you know, losing by one. So yeah. we're, we're that close to the Bucks being the same record as the Saints. Falcons just find ways to lose games. And mm-hmm. the Panthers seem to look much better with Kyle Allen, but they also played against the Cardinals. Do any of these teams worry you right now after what, what you've watched? I mean, not really. I think I saw a quote, a quote from Bruce Arians that he thought the kicker could make it from further. Uh, mm. So that just goes to show you how uh, how things are running right now in Tampa. Um, with the whole Kim Newton situation, you know, like he's been hurt for so long now. And people are saying like, man, there's rumors he's going to be like a free agent and everything. Like, man, there's just so much disarray in Carolina. So that's interesting. Mm. And then, man, Atlanta always finds ways to screw up. And like ever ever since the Super Bowl, 28-3, to three, uh, never forget, um, Dude, they just they haven't been good, and they keep on losing players to injury. That sucks, but they just lost Keanu and Neal again. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like, I don't know. People think Matt Ryan's good. I think he's overrated. And then Julio Jones, like, he'll have some good games, but then other games he can't get even in the end zone. So I, I think we've got this in the bag. As um, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. As Rex Ryan said on TV, are the Saints going to the NFC South? Yes. You want to know why? They're all cream puffs. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't agree with him saying that uh, Baker Mayfield's overrated. That I disagree with. But yeah. Who did say they were Rex Ryan? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, Baker Mayfield actually had a really yes. witty uh, response to that. I, but I, I heard that. That was good, yeah. <laughs> this and, is a Saints podcast. So if you guys want no. to hear us talk about drama, we'll talk about that some other no, we'll time. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, no, good call on that. Um, I think... If we're going to be worried about any team, based off of what we've seen in the first few weeks, on I mean, on paper, if I'm not including what we've seen through the first few weeks of the NFL, I would lean towards the Falcons being the team to worry about. However, after what I've watched, the Buccaneers scare me more than any of these teams. They have a tenacious defense. Their secondary is improved, and it's improved because the past couple of years they've had, I should say past four years, pretty much ever since Revis left, absolute garbage secondaries. This year, it's not bad. Vernon Hargrave is finally coming to his own. Uh, Justin Evans is one of their, their and yeah, they've also had picks, but their their picks are finally coming to fruition for their potential. Um, they they have a tenacious defense. They've they built uh, up the front. Devin White's a very good linebacker there for them. Um, their offense they can score a touchdown on almost any drive, especially if Michael Thomas or excuse me, especially if Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are working on the same page with James Winston. Those are two really dangerous weapons for him. You also have O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait there at tight end. So James Winston has weapons, and he's a slinger. He can get the ball down the field. Now, if he's more careful with the ball, that offense moves up to even another step, and and their defense seems to be tenacious under the coaching of Bruce Arians there. So I'm most worried about the Buccaneers if I had to choose a team, but I'm with you, Tyler. I think the Saints are going to win this. Now, now that I'm looking yeah. at it, the Saints are going to win this division pretty, pretty easily. I think they could win it with ten wins. Honestly, yes, I, I think agree. they'll win more than that, but I think yeah. they could with ten. I think the Bucks end up finishing nine and seven. Falcons might go nine and seven, eight and eight too, but um, we'll see. Uh, right now, it's looking really, really good for the Saints. But again, early in the season, we're going to have to wait a little to actually, you know, determine how this is going to shape out. Um, we got the Cowboys to take care of next now, um, and we'll get to that episode tomorrow. But today, we broke down everything you guys need to know about the Saints' 33-27 to victory over the Seahawks in Seattle. And we thank you so much for tuning in. That is all the time we have 
for today's episode. Um, I'm going to throw it off to Tyler for the yeah. outro uh, as he plugs away all of our social media so you guys can stay up to date. Yeah, if you guys didn't hear us the first time, please listen to us the second time. Um, yeah, so uh, we mainly operate through Twitter. Our social media, you can find our official podcast page at the WDD Podcast. You can follow Dayton Brown at Dayton underscore Brown underscore. You can follow myself at Raymond Tyler M. Tweet us, share your thoughts and opinions, and scores, answer our polls, all that good jazz. We appreciate it. Uh, yeah, and make sure to check us out on Spreaker.com. Uh, it's Speaker, but with an R, and iTunes. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, rating us on iTunes does a lot for us, so please be sure to do that. Um, again, tomorrow we'll have a we'll have a preview episode out for the Saints-Cowboys matchup that will be taking place in New Orleans on Sunday night. So be sure to keep your eyes peeled for that on both Spreaker and the iTunes podcast Apple app. And, of course, on Twitter. We're, we're going to tweet out the links every single time. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We'll talk to you very soon. And as always, who that?